Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Radio Pulso, also known as the Boy Heights Beat Podcast. My name is Adrian Casillas Sainz, and I'm excited to be here for my first time co-hosting the podcast. For those who don't know me, I'm a senior at Mendez High School. I've lived in Boyle Heights my whole life, and I've been a part of Boyle Heights Beat for about half a year now. My first story was about the cancellation of the 710 freeway expansion in East LA. Make sure to stay on the lookout for my next story coming soon. Joining me today is my co-host, Amy Mendieta Soto. So, Amy, what's going on today? What's poppin', y'all? I'm feeling amazing today and a bit nervous. This is my first time co-hosting. To start off, my name is Amy, and I was raised in East LA, and now live in Boyle Heights. Right now, I'm attending Theodore Roosevelt Senior High, and I'm a youth reporter at Boyle Heights Beat. I'm currently working on a story about street cleaning in our community. My family is based in Boyle Heights, and I feel connected to all the places and culture. And just very quickly, we want our audience to know that we are a radio radio program and podcast brought to you by the community news outlet, Boyle Heights Beat. This is a program that trains local high school students to publish a community newspaper, and it also produces this very own podcast, hence us being here today. So, what do you have going on today, Amy? For this month, we're focusing on spooky stories to get into those Halloween vibes. I don't know about you guys, but my family loves telling spooky stories about espíritus and other supernatural experiences. I feel as though that's a big part of our culture, telling detailed stories passed from generation to generation. Today, we will be interviewing David Fernandez, who will give us the scoop on a haunted house in Boyle Heights. So, with us here today, we have David, who was born and raised in Boyle Heights. He attended Roosevelt High School, just like Amy, and has worked as a motion picture costumer for over 25 years, and is currently working on a project for Marvel Studios. We invited David to come here to share his experiences with paranormal activity, which he's had since the age of seven. Hi, David. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to hear all about your stories. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So just so we could get to know you a little bit more, uh, could you just describe what you do for your job, how you got into the industry? kind of fell into the industry. I have a lot of family that is in the industry, and uh, I found myself just looking for a job, and I was offered a job at a costume house, which was a union costume house, and I was able to join their union over 25 years ago. My job varies from different from project to project. Uh, sometimes I'm in charge of watching an actor uh, and following his continu- his or her continuity, making sure that all the wardrobe or costume matches from scene to scene. Also, sometimes there's like aging involved or applying blood or stuff like that. Uh, sometimes I just uh, pull clothes to rent and dress background and watch them. Uh, so it kind of varies from project to project. What kind of movies have you worked on? A lot of feature films like Inception. Um, I've done a lot of like a lot of studio stuff. I've done Batman versus Superman. I did Man of Steel. I did did a really big one the year before last, which will be out next year, which I'm kind of excited about. Um, it's called The Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, and it was directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's got uh, Robert De Niro and, uh, and Leo DiCaprio. But it's uh, it's based on a book, which is based on a true story, and I think it'll be a great movie. That sounds great. I watched Inception like a couple weeks ago, even though it came out like uh, 10 years now. But it was a really good movie. I'm jealous that <laughs> you, you had like such a, that you were really involved with it though, you know? For yeah. All costumes. Yeah. I mean, it's still a lot of work. Yeah, so it's not it all glamorous like well, yeah. people think it may be. There's long hours, and it's it gets pretty brutal yeah. sometimes. Okay. Yeah. 
So, so I, we did hear that you're working on something from Marvel. So, could you tell us something about that, or is it caught uh, surprise? Yeah, I can't really talk too much about it. Um, <laughs> but but it'll be big. It'll be big. It'll be big. Okay. Okay. On the lookout. How's their How's their housing? So we know you travel a lot for your job. Can you tell us any like spooky stories while on set or working? Yes, as a matter of fact. Um, I was doing a, a TV show called The Last Ship. It was actually the pilot, which was the first episode of the first season for The Last Ship. And we were filming um, at the Queen Mary. And I was the only set costumer there. And I remember like we were, we were like on a top deck and we were changing camera angles and I had to go to the restroom. So like I rushed to the restroom. So I went like around the back of the the ship and then i went down one one story and then to the, like the center like i went down this hallway where the restrooms were like in the center of the hallway well like the door was propped open and i went in and then to the right it's like sinks and mirrors and then there's like a little wall and then behind the wall it's all urinals and on one side to the left and to the right is toilets so i just went in i did my business and i went over to wash my hands and because the door was propped open i'm looking in the like i look in the mirror and I see this man with like this stand collar and like gray hair kind of going back. He looked like he was probably 40 years ago. And he just floated by. And I was like, wait a minute, this can't be real. Uh, and I run to the door and I look down the hallway and there's nobody there. Like the hallway was completely empty. Now I had done that ghost tour at the Queen mm -hmm. Mary with my brother before. And we paid like, it was like the expensive one because I guess they have like different tours yeah. and it was like the $300 one and oh. we went through and it was kind of cheesy and they tried to scare you and I, I didn't see anything I didn't feel anything but that day when I was working and I didn't expect it at all I saw this gentleman like float by it was so creepy oh wow yeah I would have run away <laughs> <laughs> okay so now we're gonna get into the past so could you tell us about your first experience with something paranormal like this? Absolutely. I was seven years old, and we moved into this house mm -hmm. that we later found out to be haunted. Um, I remember when we went to go look at the house before we moved in, there was a hospital bed in there. And I thought that was a little odd, but I mean, I was seven years old, and, you know, maybe I didn't really think much of it. Uh, but when we finally did move in, that hospital bed was gone. We did move in. I remember we moved in on a Saturday morning, and nothing seemed out of place. Uh, but my mom, I later found out that my mom would hear the phone ring. And back, like now you have, like most people don't have house phones. But back then, like when you moved into a house, the phone was already there. And because it was connected to a jack, and the jack was permanent. So you couldn't like take the phone and move it to a different room. It had to be wherever it was. So it was a Saturday, we had no, no service yet, and we moved in, and then my mom said that at night, the phone would ring, and she would like go to answer it, and there was no service, it was just dead. Not even like, no dial tone, nothing. So that was kind of creepy. She also, we would, I, I still remember, we were like watching TV one night, and we like heard like all this, oh, all this noise coming from the kitchen. And we get up and we go, and I still remember seeing all the cabinets open in the kitchen. And like some stuff had fallen on the floor, but not everything. Stuff was still in, in, in the cupboards, but every single door was open. And like 
randomly all the time lights would just flicker in that house either in the living room or one of the hallways or the restroom like lights would flicker i remember that and that was kind of creepy but i never really caught on to any of it um my dad also told me like this house was in a dead end and it was the last house on the left of this cul-de-sac so the driveway to the house was on the left side of the house so to get to the house you drive up the street and then you turn left into the driveway so my dad did that one night and he his headlights lit up the front of the house because the driveway was on the left so lit up the front of the house and he saw a lady standing on the porch and he thought uh oh you know my wife's gonna be so mad or something (laughs) so he pulls in and then he goes to open the door and the door's locked. And so now he's thinking, well, she must be really mad. So he like, you know, fumbles for his keys and gets the door open and he goes in and my mom is sound asleep. And there's no other ladies that were living there. So he saw like this woman there. And so that kind of caused like, now they were a little more aware of what was going on. Uh, my mom also told me that one night she was sleeping and, she, and you know, this house had hardwood floors. So she was sleeping and she hears footsteps coming down the hall from like one of the back bedrooms and go into the restroom. And she heard the door to the restroom open, somebody walk in and then the door closed. But she, so she was waiting to hear somebody walk out, I guess, you know, wanted to make sure everybody was okay. And so she thought, well, somebody's still in there. Like it's been, you know, I don't know, maybe five, 10 minutes, somebody's still in there. She's like, it's probably one of the kids. I better go check. So she gets up and goes in the restroom, and there's nobody in the restroom. And she heard the footsteps going into the restroom. So fast forward to I was – the house had three bedrooms. My mom was, like, freaked out because all this stuff was happening. So she asked my uncle, who worked a different shift, to come stay at the house you know, so there would always kind of be somebody there. And I, my, my uncle had this watch that I loved. And I still like love watches, but back in the day, it was like almost like the first, well, at least first digital watch that I ever saw. Like you would, you know, it's not like now where you just you know, hold your Apple watch and you see the time this, you actually literally had to push a button and then it would light up. And I loved seeing how it lit up like I was obsessed with this watch so I left my bedroom to go wait for my uncle to come home and I was in the middle bedroom by myself and I'm just waiting because I want to see this watch I'm like obsessing over this watch and I don't know what made me like uh, what caught my attention but something made me like look up and I see this old lady coming at me like with like crooked knuckles like like this and you know i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it and i was seven years old coming at me like this and i like freaked out and i started screaming "Ah!" and i like stood up and now i'm like standing on the head of the bed and i'm like up against the wall and then my dad runs in and then my mom and my dad's like what 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 i said this lady's trying to get me like this lady's trying to get me and i'm like my mom like grabs me and she like sits me at the foot of the bed And I still remember she was sitting on my left. I was sitting on her right and she's holding me and she's like, and I'm like, mom, mom, she's trying to get me. She's trying to get me. 
So she has my dad go get sugar, and they gave me like a teaspoon of sugar, I guess, to calm me down. I don't know. I always thought that it was the opposite. But she, I said, Mom, like, this, this is scary. I don't, like, don't want to be here anymore. And she's like, you know what you saw, because it was, it was on a cul-de-sac, there's a street behind it. So she said, you saw a shadow from somebody walking on the sidewalk through the window, which is 100% impossible because the sidewalk is, you know, 40 feet higher than the roof of the house. There's absolutely no way. But I think that was the last straw for her. And she was like, we got to get out of here. Yes. They, They later found out that a woman had died in the house and they didn't disclose it to them. So, yeah, it was, it was really creepy from there. We only lived there a few months. Like we couldn't, we couldn't stay there. And we moved to the house in Boyle Heights where my parents still live. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah. I was going to ask, so would you say that maybe at first you did have sort of this conflict between you, like, experience these things and your parents just not believing you? And later on it may have. Uh, no, I no. think my mom, both my parents knew. They, all, knew. they knew all oh, along. They, knew. Yeah. they were just trying to calm you down. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't want us to be scared. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and that was it. You know, she she made me believe it. So I mm-hmm. believed it or made myself believe it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they knew all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was that your most memorable and terrifying experience like ever with the supernatural or is there like something else? Well, it was probably was my first. So, yes, it was definitely really scary. I was actually, now that you reminded me, I was working on a, another movie, in, and it was called Jarhead. I don't know, Jamie Foxx. I don't know if you guys, you guys are way too young. <laughs> I don't know that movie. <laughs> anyway, I was working on this movie, and we were filming it in El Centro, California. And they put us up in a hotel, and we were going to start uh, prepping it, like, on a Monday. So I drove myself up there Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening got there Sunday night so I check into the hotel and I go up and go into my room and immediately it just felt weird it felt like like heavy energy and I was just like uncomfortable I felt almost like somebody was in there with me so I didn't unpack all my stuff I just pulled my toiletries out and I kind of got my clothes ready for the next day I was watching TV or whatever and it was time to go to bed so I like turn off the lights turn off the TV and I go to sleep. Oh, I try to go to sleep. And I'm laying there, and then I hear, like, a knocking on the window. And I was like, oh, man. what it Like, as it was, I felt uneasy, and it was just weird. So I was, like, you know, freaked out a little bit. And I remember that my mom had told me when I was a kid, she was like, you should never fear the dead. You should always fear the living. Like, the dead aren't going to hurt you but the living are. And if you're ever in like that situation, she said, you should talk to it and say, Hey man, leave me alone. And you know, I'm not bothering you. Don't bother me. And I was like thinking to myself, all right. So I just like say a prayer. And then I heard it again. I was like, okay. So I get up and I'm like kind of freaked out. And I walk over to the blinds and I open up the blinds and I'm like, you know, like carefully, because I didn't know what was going to be on the other side. 
So I open up the blinds and I like look out. There's nobody there. There's no balcony. There's a parking lot outside. And then there's another building across the parking lot that has like glass windows. So I can see myself in the reflection because my light is on now. And I can see myself. So I know that there's nobody standing outside or anybody reaching over, you know. So I close the blinds again. And then I... It's the scariest thing when you like start talking to something that isn't there and I'm like leave me alone like I I'm not bothering you you know don't bother me and then I heard <laughs> slamming on the window I went I got my toiletries stuck them in my suitcase grabbed all my stuff and went out the door I was I literally got out of bed to check out of the hotel so I go downstairs and I asked them I said hey I can't stay in that room well, you know, we've got a lot of people coming in. I said, I, there's no way I can't stay. I'll, I'll, if you're sold out, I'm going to go somewhere else. I can't stay in that room. And I was like ready to go sleep in my car. And they're like, okay, here, we'll give you another room. So they gave me another room. I went in there and it was perfectly fine. And I stayed in that room for months. I think we were there for maybe about three months. Uh, and it was fine. But I got to know the person that was at the front desk and I had talked about it with them, and they uh, told me that I wasn't the only one that had complained about that room. But that was, it was super, super creepy. Mm -hmm. And that was probably 10 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Crazy. And that still keeps you up at night. It's like the scariest thing it, you can No. I feel like now, like I see random things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not on any medication. I don't hear voices. I'm, you know, yeah. I think I'm of sound mind. My wife is a therapist. You know, I'm sure she would point stuff out if she thought I was weird or awkward. But I do see like random silhouettes or shadows sometimes. Uh, but it, it's usually just random when I'm not like expecting it. Not, you know, you know, like I was walking my dog a few months ago and. Like, I looked up, and I saw this man just staring up the street. And I kind of live on the street that I was on. It's like a hill. And I could see him just, like, staring up, like, into space, almost like, not up in the air, but forward, but just like a, like a stare where he wasn't really focused on anything. And then I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm trying to focus on seeing him. And, like, when I blinked, he was gone. So stuff like that, you know, I tend to see things sometimes um when i got married we stayed at the mission inn hotel my mother-in-law got us the presidential suite mm -hmm. and she also got me a room the night before because i wasn't supposed to see my wife at the mm -hmm. wedding uh so she got us she got me a room where i stayed and had all my wedding party all my buddies that we're going to be in my wedding party come and we all got ready so we're like drinking beer and you know having a good time before the wedding so after the wedding we went back to this presidential suite which is beautiful like i highly recommend it except unless you're scared of ghosts uh so my nephew asks me he's like hey do you mind if we stay in that room that you had I was like, of course not. I mean, you know, your grandmother paid for it, of course. So I um, 
he's going to give him the key. So he comes to our room to get the key to that room. And, and I remembered that we had left a mess. There was beer bottles everywhere, and it was just super, super messy. So I said, well, here, I'll come with you. I'll show you where it is, and I'll help you clean up the room. So we go upstairs, and we're, you know, cleaning up and dumping the bottles outside. And it's one of those rooms that it's, like, that hotel has, like, hallways that are, or doorways that are inside the hotel, and some are outside. It's a beautiful place. Um so we're cleaning up the room, and then his mom, who's my sister-in-law, calls and says, hey, you know, we're going to go to Denny's. Are you almost done? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're almost done. And so I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, we're going to go to Denny's. I said, dude, you go. I'll finish cleaning up. Take the key with you. I'll clean up, and then we can just come back. He's like, you sure? Yeah. So he goes, and I finished cleaning up and took all the bottles out and kind of made it somewhat presentable. And so I walk back to the presidential suite. So I walk back to the elevator and then I go down the elevator to the floor that we were on and I'm walking down the, the hallway and there's another hallway that T-bones with that hallway. And this lady turns the corner and almost like floating with like this long hair. And I still remember the, the dress, like the back of her dress had like, a, like those eyelet holes coming, kind of like lacy eyelet Shoe laces holes. Almost. Uh, no, more like uh, like embroidery, oh, you know, okay. little holes and uh-huh. and with long hair. And she like goes, and I was like, oh, I, well, I don't know what I said, probably like shoot or something. But I freaked out, and so she heard me, and like she turns her face right in front of me, and right when she turned, she was just gone. So I never got to see her face, but I saw the back of her. I saw her dress. Mm-hmm. So I get to my room and I like stick the, the my key into the room and, and my wife's like, "What's going on?" And I guess I looked really pale or something. I said, "I just saw this thing like," and she's like, "Oh, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." And um, I went to bed that night and I like didn't open my eyes. I was scared that I was going to open my eyes and this lady was going to be standing there. I was like, I was freaked out. So it was Labor Day weekend. So and this is Saturday night. So my my mother-in-law had got us the room, it's a beautiful room, got us the room until Monday. Well, I couldn't stay there. Like, it, it was still creeped out by it. So we spoke to the manager, and again, we weren't the first ones to complain mm-hmm. about this. Um, he refunded my mother-in-law for the Sunday night, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a big deal, because you, know, you need like 24-hour notice to cancel mm-hmm. and it was just super, super creepy. But if you Google it, there's like been a lot of sightings, and everybody yeah. sees this woman, this woman, or and or they hear like her whistling. I guess she was like a maid, or I don't know. There's a lot of that going on. Google mm-hmm. it, but mm-hmm. it's a thing for sure. Something when hotels, <laughs> there's some, there's something that <laughs> yeah. living spaces apparently. Yeah. So all of this started with the house. Have you ever gone back to the house? Like I've driven by it. Mm-hmm. In fact, we just drove by it last night, only because we were talking about it and we're prepping for today. It still freaks me out. Like you couldn't pay me any amount of money to like spend the night in there. Like I wouldn't do it. Like I, it's just so, so creepy. Mm-hmm. So yes, I have seen the house, and it's the creepiest thing you'll ever see. I mean, I can write down the address for you guys, and I think you should go check it out for yourselves. Oh, I think I'll pass. It's 
Yeah, it's a creepy, yeah. creepy place. So do you try and avoid it at all costs? Like you'll go to the street if you need to pass by there. Uh, no, I actually drove up the cul-de-sac last night. Uh-huh, so yeah. I've gone by there. Like every hair on my body was standing as mm-hmm. I, as I, my headlights were like lighting up the house yeah. because, like I told you, even to go and make a U-turn, your your headlights are gonna light up the house, and it's really, really creepy. Um, I don't know if the people who live there now uh, experience anything. I've always wanted to ask. There, there have been times where like I've just driven by to see if I saw anybody out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like now I'm at the point where I'd rather not see it or talk about it. It's yeah. just, it's really, really creepy. How has having these paranormal experiences impacted you as you grew older? Oh, that's a very good question. I think it's just opened my eyes to other possibilities. Like, I mean, if there, you know, there's a lot of people that don't believe in the paranormal. And I, because I've seen it with my own eyes, I believe, it makes me see, you know, the world in a different light. Like, I think anything could happen. You know, there could be aliens. There, you know, who knows? It's such a huge, vast universe. Like, why couldn't there be other life forms out there? I mean, they're not aliens. They could be humans somewhere else, you know, at different times. I don't know. I just, I guess it's made me open my mind to other possibilities things that i don't see with my own eyes but i won't just knock them just because i don't know Mm -hmm. it's almost like this less closed-minded exactly yeah um when i was little uh, my mom told me a story about her own supernatural experience she was basically telling me that when she was seven she was playing with her younger sister in their pueblo and then suddenly, like, an escape doll appeared and tried to grab them. And they started running away, and my mom, she's, like, really quick-minded, so she climbed an apple tree and grabbed an apple and tried to throw it at it. But she accidentally smacked the sister right in the forehead <laughs> with the apple instead. And then she, like, jumped on them, they both ran inside and, like, hid. So, like, my question is, do your family members have any stories that they've passed down, or do they also have encounters from their childhood? Uh, yes. Both my brother and my, my brother and my sister and my mom have all had their own experiences. I mean, I think I told you my dad's experience. My older brother would go to bed and he would hear somebody whisper his name. Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> yeah. That house was just really creepy. And I don't even know if it was the house, but it was, whatever it was, I don't think it was just normal energy because I think there is a lot of like energy. I think this thing was heavier. It definitely was not nice. Like, Mm -hmm. why would you freak out a seven-year-old kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, this thing was like, I don't want to use the word demon, but Mm could have been. Yeah. It's definitely malicious. Definitely malicious. Yeah. So I think I know the answer to this question, but do you 100% believe in the paranormal? 100%. 100%. Absolutely. What would you say to someone who doesn't believe in it at all? Well, I mean, you can't convince people. Yeah. But, you know, I might not believe it had I not seen it and experienced it myself. I just think that you should open your eyes and your mind to stuff mm-hmm. like this. Because stuff like this really happens and it's around us all over the place. Um, so hearing all of that, Gus going to ask, do you think there are any logical explanations for what happened in any of your encounters? Absolutely not. 
Um, the knocking at that hotel, there's no way there was, there's no way. It was definitely on glass. And I could see, you know, from across the way that there was nobody back there. Nobody could possibly be there. And then as far as his house, I mean, the flickering of lights, maybe, but cabinets opening up, I don't think so. And seeing this woman who, number one, you know, it wasn't like a family member. My my brother and my sister, my sister, I was seven. My sister's probably nine. My brother was 10. This was an old lady. And I could see her eyes, and I could see her hands. There's no way that it was anybody in a costume. No, absolutely no logical explanation. So would you say that the source of these experiences were your environment, or were they like yourself? Do you have something to do with that? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think it's definitely my environment. Your environment. Um, I feel really comfortable at home. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really have issues. And a lot of places that I go, I feel super, super comfortable. I do, when I do go places where I I do pick up on stuff, I do feel like there's, the energy feels heavier uh, wherever I feel like there's presence. And, you know, I've gone many places where I, where I feel like heavy energy and I feel like somebody's there and I don't see anything. I don't, you know, so it's not like I just, I've got this gift um, and I don't think, any of it follows me. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's definitely my environment. Yeah. It's like, would you say wrong place at the right time? <laughs> I, I yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, I guess it depends how you look at <laughs> it. Uh, I personally don't. You know, I find it interesting. Yeah. And yes, I did take that haunted tour at the Queen Mary, but I never really expected to see anything, and I didn't. And it was only until I didn't expect to see something mm-hmm. that I did. So I don't know. I I'm kind of glad that it's not something that is like an everyday thing for me. Like I don't see dead people because I don't know how I'd be able to handle that. I probably wouldn't go to work and stay <laughs> home yeah. every day. Ghost whispers are yeah. eye on. Exactly. <laughs> I know. What do you think about like those shows or like ghost hunters or stuff like that? Do I you think, think those are legit. <laughs> I, I think some of them are, yeah. I, I would imagine some are. There's some that, you know, I you know I think could be made up. Uh-huh. Um, I know there's, like, the Linda Vista Hospital mm-hmm. here in Boyle Heights. Um, yeah. I've heard many things. I've heard that it's re- – I've never been in there. I was working on a show once that we shot actually literally across the street. It was a movie mm-hmm. called A Better Life. Mm-hmm. You should look – you should watch it. Uh, but we had our base camp there, and I, like, walked around the hospital. It was closed at the time, and I walked around the hospital and just trying to see if I could see or hear anything, and, and I couldn't. But, you know, with my job, I you know, I know a lot of people that have filmed there, and I, I believe there's, like, a floor there that they will not film on because sound picks up sounds. And when you're filming, it's got to be super, super quiet. So the sound department will have, you know, they'll hear bumps or voices. Um, and they hear things that kind of jeopardize what they're trying to record, especially when there's dialogue and it's quiet. Um, so they, they will avoid that certain floor. I don't know what floor that is, but 
heard from many, many people that it is possible. <laughs> okay, well, I think that wraps it up pretty much. Um, thank you so much, David. Uh, I definitely won't be sleeping well tonight, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for giving us your time, and I'll look out for your name on the end, cred in the end credits. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been fun. Okay, and that's a wrap for our Gladio Pulso podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Amy Mendeta Soto. And I'm Adrian Casillas Sainz. If you want to pitch us an idea for the radio show or a newspaper, send us an email at boilheightsbeat at gmail.com. That's boilheightsbeat at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from all of you as we pride ourselves in offering noticias por y para la comunidad. Or we'd even love to have you on our show. Also, make sure to check us out on social media to stay up to date. You can follow our Radio Pulso Instagram account at Radio Pulso. That's Radio Pulso with three R's. Thank you to the people who make Boyle Heights Beat possible, especially Chris Kelly and Antonio Mejia Renta. A huge thank you to our radio producer, Jackie Ramirez, and to Ethan Fernandez for engineering the show today. You'll hear from us later this month. Don't forget to tune in. Until then, suerte Boyle Heights. Nos vemos en la calle. Bye. Bye.